What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. And Gabe, why don't you intro in? What are we doing today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about the new Born of Osiris album, Angel or Alien. Uh, this album was released on J- July 2nd of 2021 on Sumerian Records. And uh, the band lineup is as follows. We have Ronnie Canizaro on lead vocals. We have Cameron Losh on drums. Joe Burras on keyboard synthesizers and co-lead vocals. Lee McKinney on guitars. And Nick Rossi on bass and guitars. Uh, Matt, what are your first impressions on this one? So as I was listening to it, is it's definitely not the same Born of Osiris that I remember listening to back in like kind of my high school days was when I was first introduced to them. Um, and to be completely honest, is I've never claimed that this band is one of my favorites, and uh, this record definitely continued to enforce that idea. Um, it wasn't too bad, very metalcore-esque with a little bit of a deathcore touch to it. Um, how about you? Um, this is everything I expected from Born of Osiris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the same diet gent. It's the same electronic core influences in the same groove. Like mm-hmm. In my limited listening of the previous stuff, it doesn't really feel like it differentiates from older material. Like I definitely felt like this one had a little bit more of an edge to it. Mm-hmm. But in comparison with their older material, it just ultimately feels kind of like background metalcore music. Okay. So, and um, as a little bit of uh, perspective, just before we get into the musical review, as I did actually get to listen through um, a lot of their older material, and um, listening back to The Discovery, which I believe was released back in 2011, which included Follow the Signs, which was a lot more of that deathcore sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as we kind of move forward is... It kind of sounds as though um, Ronnie and Joe, and I believe Joe has actually been with the band through, um, really through most of the time that the band's been around. Ronnie, Cameron, and Joe are all basically original members. Okay. There was, I think it's uh, Ronnie and Cameron that were like, weren't there for the first like four months of it or something like that, oh, but th- that doesn't okay. count to me. Oh, that make, <laughs> no, that, that per- makes perfect sense. Um, but it, it, a lot of that vocal dynamic has really stayed the same. Uh, with Ronnie and Joe very much uh, bouncing off of each other. Uh, but as the years have gone on, is they've definitely gotten a lot more of the gent, or the, the kind of soft gent, as you call them. Diet gent. Diet gent, there you go. <laughs> um, and it was a lot less of the deathcore and a lot more metalcore side of it, but it was almost like they were trying to like show that they were still doing deathcore stuff, but it wasn't that much coming through as kind of what I was seeing and, and at least looking back through the older stuff for a little bit of additional perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of did the same as well. Um, specifically, I, like I hung around uh, the Tomorrow We Die Alive era, mm-hmm. um, which is the area the era of uh, Born of Osiris that I was introduced. So Tomorrow We Die Alive, Soul Sphere, uh, and Internal Rain were really okay. kind of the things that I listened to. Um, it was kind of the same stuff over and over i didn't go quite as far back as you did mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah it, it just really didn't differentiate much from that that's but fair. I, yeah. I guess that's a, a good segue to go ahead and move into the musical impressions of it um for me the guitar tones were stellar on this album. The guitar i was really excited about the guitar and actually and again listening back to a lot the older stuff is the guitar sounded a lot cleaner than the last two releases. Yes, it did. Um, I was really bummed out listening to the older material and hearing how scratchy, almost scratchy, really, the guitar tone was. And then actually listening to Ronnie's voice on this one is it sounded like there was a little bit of a rejuvenation in his voice. He didn't sound he didn't sound as almost worn out as he had the last couple of releases. So I think that helps a lot too. Yeah. The like one of the big standouts on this one for me was uh, the solo for White Nile. Um it just it had such a great tone to it and really just kind of encapsulated everything that I love as a guitarist. Yeah. Um the electronic elements throughout the song or throughout the throughout the album was done really well and never felt like they were too abrasive but at the same time never felt like they were too much in front or mm-hmm. too much behind like it felt like there was actually just the right amount. Yeah. And that's that's another thing that I I hadn't gotten to really kind of comment on at least in the older material is this felt like it was a lot less of atmospheric like that they were trying to do with mm-hmm. the electronics but 
they were bringing it forward and it was able to complement the riffs really well. Yeah, they had kind of dabbled that in throughout the throughout their time as a band, but at being able to bring it forward a little bit more and have it complement everything as well as it did, I was really happy with. Um, and then um, kind of just really quick speaking about the vocals is it's a lot less of the deathcore style we saw in the early stages, um, a lot more metalcore style, but Ronnie and Joe bouncing off the, each other like they always have. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the vocal mixing, mm-hmm. um, like the actual like mixing part of it that was done on the record, uh, as well as the cleans. If, if you could call them that, like there were some cleans in there and mm-hmm. I'll get to those in a bit, but like Same. the... <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the the rest of the um album like the cleans in quotations mm-hmm. are really more like the pitch screams like it just felt like they were trying to poorly rip off architects that's fair and i th- that kind of got on my nerves and then like my final note here is drums are phenomenal as usual yeah cameron's a stud i yeah. actually <laughs> met him oh, so so funny enough um i think you've said about it on the podcast where you've seen fit for a king a gajillion times completely by accident this is my fit for a king <laughs> and like i so the first time i'd seen them was actually warp tour 2012 and it was actually intentional i wanted to see them i had just gotten into them i was starting to like get really into deathcore um and i was like oh these guys are pretty cool and then it was they were playing with ask alexandria motionless and white and i was like oh board of osiris is there and then there was another Asking Alexandria show. Born of Osiris was there. I went to a festival out here. Born of Osiris was there. <laughs> I'm like, so I've seen these guys probably five, six times, probably somewhere close to that, and just completely by accident. You were saying about Cameron? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. Cameron is actually a stud. I met him at Warped Tour 2012, um, and it's he looks a lot like a buddy of mine, so I thought that was kind of a fun – like, I was funny when I met him. Um, absolutely stud of a guy. I haven't actually run into him again since then, but absolute gem of a person. Yeah, that man's calf muscle's got to be something else. They've got to be, man. <laughs> um, how are you feeling lyrically about the album? So – it feels like just a random collection of words just slapped together. I could not possibly agree more. <laughs> so, and so I actually have available um, is looking at a couple of the songs is so like poster child. And then um, like, I felt like I could actually figure out what the song was about. White Nile and Waves, um, those I could maybe figure out what the songs were about, but everything else, I'm like, what are you talking? Because it would, two, these two lines would be sound like they're about this, but then all of a sudden it would shift to being about something completely different. So I'm not completely sure um, what's going on there or what the kind of concept behind the lyrics was. Yeah, it just felt like everything was just kind of just open, vapid, didn't really have any sort of meaning. These were just words that they wrote down that sounded cool in succession. Like the like you mentioned those, uh, uh, you mentioned poster child and white nile like getting those mm-hmm. and the other one that i have mentioned here is echo breather okay um, that one felt fairly targeted as well but like o- otherwise the lyrics just were not there for me whatsoever so it might have <clears throat> been just the the whoever the the lyricists are just kind of sat down like oh this sounds like it'd be brutal all right let's do yeah, it like th- this feels like something that i would have written when i was growing up and wanting to be in a metal band right right but without actually having any sort of like experience mm-hmm. or any sort of like actual emotion that's going behind it because yeah, i didn't no, feel any I, emotion reading these lyrics yeah I, w- I really wasn't feeling either other than like the songs that you and i had just named out there really wasn't anything behind it um and then like so the notes I have here is at least for like poster child is I felt like this it could be a song about like it's a song towards someone who claims to know how things are but realistically they just have no idea about how the world works but they just claim that they do and that was a lot of the vibe I was getting out of it um but like you know as we as we both have really said is everything else doesn't really feel like it has a single point like we could go back to the zombie and z2 ep by the devil wears prada we could point to what those are about the architects record we had reviewed before we could point pretty strongly to what (laughs) those songs were about the same thing with the era record we could do that we could do that escape the fate songs we could figure out what those are about not terrible as they were as terrible as they were (laughs) yes this we i really just couldn't yeah and that's not gonna be the same for everybody obviously everybody has their own ways of interpreting things this is just our interpretation of it and uh you can take us for what you will i guess (laughs) 
But the Escape the Fate Breaker was still bad. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> no, we're never doing that again. Uh, then finally, before we jump into the track by track, uh, let's go ahead and go over the album artwork. Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, wasn't able to find any information on the artist that had done it. Um, but what we do is we see an angel sitting on a, a short throne um, and what looks like, I guess, a Stargate. I guess, I guess we're going to call it a Stargate. Um, I, I would say a portal would be the, the better oh, way oh, to, that, to put Okay, it. that's fair. Stargate specifically references Stargate. Yes. As opposed to a portal is pretty open-ended. That's fair. <laughs> um, I had I made a joke about uh, the Stargate, so I figured I'd, I'd see if that was something we'd run with. Um, but the ring around this portal does have a bunch of hieroglyphs. Um, and then in this angel's hands... Um, we see what looks like a goblet that seems to be running over with some sort of golden liquid, and it's dripping onto the floor. On the other side, is we show her holding the scales. On one side of the scales, we have the feather. On the other, it's a heart with the blood dripping onto the floor. Um, and then we also show on the floor by the um, by the angel is we see a jackal with its eyes glowing, and then we have a lit candelabra on the other side. Um, really looking at it is Egyptian pieces are very evident. The jackal, the throne, um, the hieroglyphs, the very strong gold color in this one. Um, definitely seeing that there. Um, and I don't know if you kind of interpreted this as well, Gabe. So the angel was pretty upfront, but the alien part is I'm thinking what it was is a nod to the idea that aliens were the ones who helped build the pyramids. Um, so it's a little bit of that, like not conspiracy theory, but kind of conspiracy theory. And I thought that was a kind of clever nod. That was absolutely what I got from this. There was literally <laughs> nothing else to interpret from this. Like, let's the, go. The only thing I took from this was the so the the balancing on the scale of the feather and the heart is in reference to what Anubis would hold. Uh, might be Isis. I can't remember exactly. It's one of the old older Egyptian gods, mm -hmm. but that's what they would use to measure a person's worth. If their heart was the same size, uh, same weight as a feather, then they were allowed to enter the the heaven side of the underworld. Mm -hmm. But if not, then they were cast into the Egyptian version of hell. And I'm, it's been a some time since I've delved into uh, Egyptian mythology, but um, that's basically what it is. So like, I enjoyed the callback to that, but. Yeah, there was no like actual like reason. Yeah, behind this. I'm not 100 percent sure. Nothing but thematic that went along with it, other than the fact that she was an angel and it looked like there might be UFOs in the background in that yeah. portal. <laughs> yep, and, and back in the portal. I was definitely trying to figure out what was in that portal too, but there was because there was just so much in front of it, it was hard to really see what was going on. Yeah, when you really zoom in on it, like in the background, it has like some floating disc-shaped looking things mm -hmm. that one could potentially interpret to be UFOs. That makes sense. But any good ufologist is going to tell you that not. All of them are disc shaped. Many of them are cube shaped. Some of them are triangle shaped. Some of them are going to be like what looks like a star shaped enterprise and, and so on. Okay. So deal with that information what you will <laughs> <laughs> look look at the artwork for it it's it's kind of a neat i think honestly though just looking at it aesthetically it might be my favorite artwork that we've actually looked at throughout the podcast just because like if you look at just how good the art is and just how many different elements it is it's beautiful to look at it's my favorite aesthetically but in terms of just overall concept and everything like that it just really doesn't have any meaning to me that's a good way to put it thank you for cl clarifying yeah. <laughs> that for everybody else um so now what we'd like to do is go through a track-by-track track breakdown of the record and we've kind of alluded a little bit to this song already is this first one is poster child and we're really quickly thrown into things and yeah. i'm actually okay with this yeah so like honestly this album opens up with one of the best tracks on it mm -hmm. um they waste no time getting into the electronics and into the gent the breakdown on this song is super tight. It's nasty. And I love it's how the one of the highlights of the song for sure. I think the keys really like calling out to aliens was an extra little touch to this one. And it, it, it just worked so well with the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the electronics to this song. Like th this song felt most akin to like what machines was off of mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow. We die alive. Right. Um, Cause I, I really like that song from them as well. Just in a term like uh, from a musical standpoint, mm -hmm. instead of like an actual uh, constructive uh, instead of a critic standpoint right um 
yeah, just right out the gate, like this is song. This song is one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, no, I and this is an absolutely great song. Um, I was really surprised at how catchy the chorus is, despite it being very screaming and like shout heavy. Yeah. Um, and just the way that it's done, because typically when you listen to bands that are this heavy, is the choruses aren't typically that catchy. You would almost need some a clean vocalist to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But these guys are able to make a really solid chorus, and I was really happy about this. I will. I gotta say the the bit with the saxophone at the end was a little bit weird. I like how everything seemed to kind of pull down and just not it wasn't stripped down, but it was like everything just kind of was brought down to a like a, a cute little package, I guess is the best way to put it. But there was the saxophone with it that seemed to work, but I also didn't like it at the same time. So there was a few points in this record where it felt like they were trying to break it up mm-hmm. with like a, an instrumental or a coda at the end of the song. Yeah. That just didn't fit right. Yeah. Like it didn't, it, it changed it up too much, but at the same time didn't change it up enough. Like it was just like an extra little tag that is going to be something that I want to skip at the end of the song. Like right, if right. I were to just go and listen to poster child by itself and, w- and have it being shuffled throughout my library, I'm just going to skip that last 20 seconds because it's just kind of in my way instead of having like an interlude track or something like that, That's which true. I feel like would be a little bit better. Yeah, and I think it is kind of an awkward transition into the next song, um, which before we actually get into that one, um, this is the most recent single for the record. Uh, music video released on YouTube July 1st of 2021, which I thought was a little weird because we typically see a music video release on the date that the um, the record actually drops. This was released the day before, so... Take with that what you will. I just thought it was kind of a weird little thing that they did. but um, Do you know what time of day it was released? I believe it was nighttime, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Um, just looking at YouTube, it doesn't show the time. It just shows the date. The only reason I bring that up is sometimes they will release at midnight on the day of release, but because we're they're in Illinois, so we're a few hours behind. So that, that, that's, that's the only thing that I can think of. Might that be could make case. sense. That could make sense. Like me staying up until 11 o'clock tonight so I can listen to the new Trivium single that'll be <laughs> dropping, which in most places it'll be dropping at midnight. But That song, <laughs> that hopefully will be a absolute banger. Yes, absolutely. Um, Trivium is the best anyway. <laughs> before we get too off off tangent, um, the next song we do have is White Nile, um, which is the first single release for the record. Uh, music video debuted March 17th of 2021 and dude i gotta say this is a solid way to introduce the record oh for sure yeah as mentioned previously like this song has my favorite solo tone Mm -hmm. and honestly just it was amazing guitar tone throughout The, the, the whole record the guitar tones were really on point like the rest of the record could be trash, but the guitar tones are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm all yep. about tone. I'm constantly chasing that tone. So I understand it. And, and it's good that they were able to get that nailed down. Um, just in production in general on this one was really good, even for vocals, which for the most part, I haven't really enjoyed those vocals throughout the rest of the record. Right. Um, the groove on this song is felt throughout. And there's no doubt that this is definitely a headbanger on the album and will open up even the most empty of pits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's it's a nice callback to some of the death course uh, era of this band, but it's also it's not just the same brutal style that we've seen like yeah. by a lot of deathcore bands, like Darko, for instance, who we had reviewed on the podcast. Definitely go listen to that one if you haven't listened to it already. But make <laughs> sure to do it after this episode. Um, but it, it's nice to kind of see a callback to the in, almost initial waves of deathcore. So where, where a lot of the like Whitechapel, Chelsea grin, but not quite as heavy in a way, um, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so feeling that similarity was really nice. Um, again, just really happy with how, how this song came out and being the first song released. Yeah. Then we go into uh, one of the other singles, Angel, Angel or Alien, which is the uh, title track on the album. Uh, this song coming off the coattails of Poster Child and White Nile feels like way too much of a drop off. Mm-hmm. And I am not a fan of the melodic theme throughout this song. So here's this. This is where I, I start to really just dig my heels in because this I have problems with this song. <laughs> so instrument, instrumentally, this song is really cool. I really like the electronics that were associated with it. This is an example of Born of Osiris showing that they are able to combine the electronics with the instrumentals really well, or at least the electronics with the other instrumentals to kind of clarify my statement. Here's the problem. The vocals, and I think this is where the mix really kills me, mm-hmm. is... You hear, and 
it's like this. But it's for the clean sections. They're just really quiet. Unfortunately, Matt, that's not going to really come across the way that you want to tell it because I compressed the crap out of our vocals to make sure that everything is done right. Yeah. So what, what Matt's trying to say is like the, the clean tone of the vocals are super low in the mix. And so we have everything else going up, turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. And then I honestly didn't realize it until about my third listen through on this album that there was actually other vocals that were there. I, really? I, I could not hear it. Like but when, when, when I'm listening to an album, I try and listen to it in different settings. So I try and listen to it like when I'm in the shower, when okay. I'm driving down the road. And then obviously I have like a really high, uh, high audio listen that yeah. I really begin picking apart a lot of the instrumentals, but just to familiarize myself with the songs and settings that people would listen to them in. Mm-hmm. And in the car and in the shower, couldn't hear them whatsoever. Like they just were so low in the mix. And I feel yeah. like that was just a terrible part to do. And then it just, I didn't like it. <laughs> I know. And honestly, like I, I wanted to like it the first time I listened to it. But my problem is, is it's like the clean vocal part. It was so pulled down in the mix. It felt like the band was like, we want to experiment with clean vocals, but I, I like, I but don't we're scared to, we're scared to. And it's like, dude, commit to the bit. Evolution is healthy. If you got, if you want to try something, please do it. Like we encourage bands very much to go and try new things. Um, just, I mean, I guess do them in the right way, but that's a different conversation for another day. Yeah. And, um, and even then, like we'll see this in the next song. The next song actually has fairly prevalent clean vocals Yeah, that I'll dig into in a minute. But for now, in, in correspondence with Angel or Alien, like it just, they obviously did it at then. Like, why not just bring it up in the mix? Make yeah. it actually audible. Like, and even, even if it's just like pu- putting it up just like two notches, even if they just did one just to give the extra volume, would have been nice to have. I- at least enough to make the actual lyrics discernible. Yeah. And, you and can't, you, uh, until I read the lyrics, I still couldn't tell what he was saying. I, I, honestly, the, the same thing. The only way I really knew that there were lyrics being sung was reading the lyrics and like seeing the parentheses <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I, for a single, this was a huge letdown. Yeah. The solo at the end, I was beyond jazzed about, I liked it. Oh no, I didn't really. I just, it really didn't do anything for me. Like, really? so like the, the solo for white Nile, for example, like it just, I feel like it really exemplified what the guitarist was doing and how he had been changing over the course of the years and, and how um, it just really kind of meshed well together. This one here, like this song already felt like a metalcore version of a ballad. And I feel like <laughs> this solo okay. was kind of just a continuation of that. Like it just, it didn't do anything really that i that, that really like tugged on my heart That's that fair. said, Hey, yo, this dude is sick. Yeah. Like if I had just heard this solo, like, yeah, it's fine. He's obviously a talented guitarist, mm-hmm. but it didn't really take anything to grab my attention like White Nile did or like Oathbreaker did or Threat Your Presence or any of those guys. That's fair. Um, and then just the last note on this one um, is, as you had said, this is a single off of the record. Um, music video was released on May 12th of 2021. Um, so there was a little bit of time between White Nile and this one and then uh, about a month or just shy of a month before the uh, record actually released. Gabe, why don't you take us into the next one? So the next song we have is Waves. Um, this song felt like it was an architect song featuring Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus was fairly boring with its repetition, but overall, like the song is fine. It just felt like something was holding it back the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, and I mentioned the clean vocals before on this one. It Honestly, it felt so weird in terms of both of the other singers yeah, that it didn't feel like either of them. It felt like it was like a chain smokers feature or something. Yeah. It was. And I, yeah, that was weird. Cause I remember listening to this one and the vocals, it sounded, it would sounded completely different. I'm like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to look and see if there were features on this record and there were none. So I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, but kind of like the same thing you said at the time I wrote my notes for this song, I really couldn't put my finger on where I felt with this song. Um, it sounds a lot like what I would have heard from Port of Osiris seeing him live. And it's pretty much just genty, genty chugs and 
oh, some electronics with it. Genty, genty chugs. And for those of you not familiar with gent, um, listen to the song Bleed by Meshuga, and you'll know what gent is. Basically, it is referring to the sound that the guitars make, the gent, gent, And so that's what we mean when we're referring to the word gent. And I'm going to be going into that a little bit deeper here in a bit. We're going to reference the gent a lot. So definitely do prepare yourself. Um, next up, we have Oathbreaker, and dude, honestly, it sounds like you've got a little bit of praise for this one. Yeah, dude, honestly, this is another one of my favorites on the album, for sure. Okay. Um, Ronnie does some really cool things vocally in this song to break it up and differentiate it from the other songs, and overall, like, it's just super groovy, it's really heavy, and it hits really hard, and the electronics used in this song are also among my favorites on the album. It brings an element of distress and panic, and it's not a secret that I love that kind of stuff in a song. Yeah. Did this one make you feel dirty? <laughs> no, uh, honestly, this made me think that this was Born of Osiris playing a song that Miss May I wrote. <laughs> like I was, I was sitting there and I was like, "Is this Miss May I?" But just Ronnie is singing on it. Um, but no, like this one was really strong vocally. I did make a note of that, and I think that was really where we start to see a lot more of that deathcore come in. Well, and, and one of the issues that I've had with Born of Osiris records in the past, as well as a lot of the songs on this record is screaming vocals have a range mm-hmm. regardless of like, like obviously it's not the same as like a singing scale right it, it's it finds itself in a very different position but it's still gonna have a range and I feel like he doesn't use that range hardly at all no and it just stays at that one almost like it would be singing monotone yeah or basically like Tom DeLonge <laughs> <laughs> fair fair where are you hello there. <laughs> But anyway, so, uh, wow, we're going to get so much hate for that now. <laughs> real, dude, it's going to be bad. Yeah. But, um, like, so it just, he doesn't use a lot of his range. In this song, he actually uses his range. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that a lot because when he was getting up into those higher parts, like, it was nasty and yeah. I liked it. And we just don't see a lot of it from him, unfortunately. No. And, and that's that's my biggest issue vocally with him specifically like obviously the mixing isn't necessarily his fault yeah but that is because he's he has the capability obviously to use it but he's just not not. actually doing yeah and i'm curious to see what he could do with his lows like Mm -hmm. we don't get it we don't get really a featuring of his lows on here we i think we do it's just very very little of it and i think he spends a lot of it in that mid-tone like you were saying but i think he pulls down a little bit but not enough to be like ooh giggity yeah um like so caleb no. shomo got lower than he did on caleb Shom- <laughs> on the below yeah. record yeah no i think and i honestly i think even howard might have even gotten lower than mm-hmm. him on the light the torch record yep. um so it is really disappointing um next up we do have threat of your presence thick chugs bro <laughs> the guitar riff on this intro and verses was super sick yeah the the thing that I really found w- that was really notable for this one was the solo. I was mm-hmm. really feeling that. Um, Versus, again, had the thick chugs, which the band really just uses a lot. Um, and it, it's pretty much a mainstay in their formula. Yeah, th- th- this one had what Aliens and what Angel or Alien and Waves was missing. Mm-hmm. It just it had it there. It had the urgency. It had the pressure, the panic. Um, that I that I really like the the dissonance that was added by the electronics, they were perfect in the mix really, and um, there was one thing that was in the chorus that wasn't mixed right, and there was like these little bells that were like used that added like this really cool effect to it, and you had to really listen for them. Interesting. But if you didn't listen for them, you're gonna completely miss it. They're there, and if they were to pull them out completely, I don't think anybody would know that they were gone. Wow. It, it is really hard to hear, but when you hear it, it does add a cool effect, and I wish they would have turned it up. <laughs> yeah. I guess the kind of the thing about this is mix better. Uh, yeah, pretty much. All right, good enough. <laughs> um, love Story. God, I hate this song. I, I really couldn't find anything good to say about this one either. It's, it's just the lyrics were empty. They were vapid. The chorus was boring. It felt blah for the entire song. Mm-hmm. Like There was the good riffing in the verses and the harmonic guitar leads. That's it. I I literally couldn't find anything good to say about it either. It's just chugs with keys over the top, throat screaming vocals intermingled with shouting vocals, and you have this song. And again, just not really sure what's going on lyrically. That being said, this is my second least favorite song in the record. Love Story is? Love Story is. 
And we'll get to the first least favorite. Um, Crossface, though. Let me ask you something. Does it gent? Yes, This song literally asks the question, does it gent? And then we'll scream back the word yes to you. It just be it's unreal. And I'm all for this song. I you said you hated this song. Does gent. Wait, you said you hate it? No, you said you did. No, love story I hate. Yeah, Crossface you... I like. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, we're gonna back oh, up. We're gonna back up here. <laughs> Cause you 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 straight up said love story is my second least favorite song, and getting into my first oh, is no, Crossface. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> All right, I was let's, ready to throw a hand. <laughs> we will get to what is my first favorite. Your your first least favorite? First least favorite, Kay. yes. Are you sure? <laughs> Gabe, I don't know. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so like this one here reminded me of like Gent meets the Acacia Strain off of like Coma Witch or yeah. Grave Bloom. Those clean space leads that were happening like over really, they were super high in the mix. Mm-hmm. But I just, I really enjoyed that. And then they ruined it with that ending, like you changing the guitar, the guitar lead line into an electronic lead line. Uh-huh. And then just having that bounce back and forth for the last 50 seconds of the song. And, like, dear musicians, stop incorporating trap elements into your music. It's not good. <laughs> Skip the fade. We're looking at you, too. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't, do <laughs> don't do that. They are not off the hook at they all. They are not. No. And we'll probably... If I end- ever see Craig, I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> Because physical abuse is wrong. But if we were in a society where physical abuse was allowed, I might throw my shoe at him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So before Gabe's gets too heated, um, let's just move into the next one. (laughs) This one is called Craig Breather. I echo breather. (laughs) So the next one... The next one's called Echo Breather, and as I mentioned earlier, this is lyrically like one of my favorite songs on the mm-hmm. album. Like it just felt the most targeted, as opposed to just generic words that fit together in songs manner. Right. And um, the guitar riff is super genty on this one too. Has a lot of really cool start and stop effects. Mm-hmm. That's all I got for this one. <laughs> Honestly, I really like that we actually got some actual riffage in this one. Um, this again feels more like the old Born of Osiris that I remember, and I'm really for it. Um, again, my only big complaint is, dude, turn up the cleans. Like, come on, you mm-hmm. guys. Yep. Um, this might actually end up being the favorite song on the record for me, uh, personally. Okay. This one was, mm, mint. Um, next up, because I really don't have anything else. Yeah, neither Lost do I. Souls. <laughs> this might be the most metalcore song on the record. Oh, for sure. The, so the, the intro reminds me a lot of, like, that gothic, gothic dark wave synth stuff mm-hmm. that I really like. Um, I also enjoy the added guitars underneath the electronic leads, which is actually something we don't see a lot because usually they just let the lead take over and the guitars are just doing chugs. Yeah. And like, I mean, we just using this as an example again, because it's on the forefront of my mind, it's machines where Mm -hmm. it it does the exact same thing. It's just has a guitar riff come in and then the electronics take over and the guitars are just chugging the whole time. Yeah. This one actually has the guitars playing what the lead is playing for the electronics. And I really appreciated that. It adds a level of depth to it while also just making it not so the... It's not like the the band The Browning, where it's literally mm. all the techno, plus chugs and drums and bass. I can confirm this as somebody who has listened to The Browning. It is just <laughs> chug. What an unfortunate chug. name, The Browning, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point in the album, it's getting really hard to differentiate these songs from each it, other. It is, yeah. When they're all just chained together. Like, obviously, we can go through and we can pick out the individual m- melodic elements that set these songs apart and whatnot. But overall, like, if I'm just listening to this album front to back like I have multiple times, it just begins blending together, even it, if I'm actively listening to it. And honestly, I as I was making the notes for this record, as unfortunately is I had to kind of make sure that I didn't go and start losing interest in the record to ensure that I was listening to the certain songs to make sure I could actually explain what's going on and try to give a breakdown of these songs. Um, but it, as, as you said, and I think really the 
um, we start really seeing the decline um, really after Threat of Your Presence is really where we start seeing the decline. Love Story yeah, was just so an sure. extremely drastic drop, but it it was almost as if it kind of came up and now we're just on a steady decline. Um, so it is a bit pretty unfortunate. Yeah, um, the, the standout in this one, again, was the guitar work in the bridge and the solo. That's exactly what I yeah. noted here as well. Um, really, um, I really like the riff and the chorus, um, so I won't complain about that at all. Um, another song I really actually pretty much enjoyed on this one. Um, and anything else you got for that one? Nah. Just dig right into the next one called In For The Kill. Why does this song make me think the band is trying to be heavy? Yeah. Uh, for they, this one here, like parts of this song felt like riffs that would have come off the death card by Sworn In. Mm-hmm. which I mean, it's cool, but at the same time, like this is the fourth time or so that we're making references to other bands that these guys are seemingly sounding like yeah. at this point, which just kind of feeds into that really generic metal core anymore. Right. Background music, I guess. So th- this, this one here, like it, it sounds like that. Otherwise there really isn't anything that stands out on this one for me. So, are you familiar with Wage War? Yes, I am. Are you? D- you've listened to their record Dead Weight, right? Yes, I have. Do you know their song Disdain? I do. This is the that song. <laughs> it, it like literally. So if you, um, I actually recently listened to Dead Weight. Um, I had kind of fallen off of Wage War after being super into them. Um, and listening back to it, every time I listen to Dead Weight, I skip Disdain. It's just everything up to that point is like the heavy songs are actually heavy. You get to Disdain, and it's almost as if they're trying to be edgy but they're and they're they're trying to make a conscious effort to be heavy it's just they're literally tripping over their own feet mm-hmm. um and it's really disappointing yeah, so like I, I have that this song wouldn't be bad in a vacuum mm-hmm. like it's not amazing by any means but it, it wouldn't be bad but just in the midst of the rest of the record it just doesn't really have anything to offer it does no I, I can absolutely agree with that um next up we have you are the narrative I like this song a Complete lot. Complete 180-degree <laughs> turn. And I'm glad that we're on the I same page here. I am all for it. Dude, the high screams. Uh, as soon as those hit, I'm like, bro, let's go. So th- th- this song is like the deathcore song on the record, for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, the whole way through, it's just straight up a deathcore song, mm-hmm. which is interesting that they would include that in the rest of the record which really doesn't showcase a lot like it has those elements but, but it, it never full like fully just hits the gear yeah, it, it, it says never we're admits doing it. a death course it never admits it yeah um the yeah like we get dissonance on the guitars blast beats tremolo picking pick scrapes like mm-hmm. the whole works for a solid death course song and it's absolutely more of a standard standout on the latter half of the record here yeah the slowdown about halfway through is so nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this this song was just absolutely th- like this is just straight fire getting dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's by no means a catchy track at all, but it brings the, some of the really heavy elements that could have and really should have been in this record. Um, and some of the stuff that I really kind of almost itch for. Um, like I listen to like I hear the name Born of Osiris and I just think. Like death, a little bit of deathcore, not so much like you know Whitechapel or Chelsea Green deathcore, but deathcore elements, and a little bit more than this. Where Born of Osiris, I'm kind of looking at now as just a metalcore band that just maybe does deathcore things, but it, it's not enough to really be like, let's go, pit yeah, they're, boys. They're a ga- they're a gateway band from they're metalcore to yeah, deathcore. Really, that's uh, fair. Um, Truth and denial, bro. The heat continues. The heat continues. And honestly, I think it actually... Why are you making that phase game? This song straight up sounds like a lost recording off of Wake by For Today. <laughs> Wake was For Today's last offering before they called it quits as a band, which right. they, they, it was their final release that they had done on Nuclear Blast Records. And it was the only one where they got like heavy and dark as opposed to the, just their, their standard just metalcore sound that yeah. they had done and this one like if you had just told me it was for today featuring Ronnie would believe you 100% are you si- absolutely wow. I would so we have very differing opinions on this one. On this one, apparently. We've, yeah. been, we've been eye to eye on almost everything For, up just until about, this point. Yeah. <laughs> so truth and denial. So um, really, like, 
I think this is a little bit of a faster tempo from the last song, or if not, it's pretty close to about the same. Um, whatever. I really enjoyed bobbing my head to this one, but the section, it was about a minute 40 into the song. Dude, the soft piano over the chugs was just chef's kiss, boys. I was, I get jiggy with it, but I get just those high screams again, just come in screaming. They, so my issue, one of my issues with this one is the fact that the whole song really doesn't change mm-hmm. until about minute three. And then it finally changes up and does some cool stuff. But I don't want to sit through three minutes of a song to then finally have it change. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not good songwriting to me. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I can definitely see what you mean. Like, where, you know, if it, especially if a song is just stagnant, is there's really no reason yeah. to be And, and this one felt stagnant to me, like... There were several times where I just like, okay, I'm just going to skip through the song here just so I can get to the part where I want to like discuss about here in my notes. And I would skip ahead 30 seconds, and it would be the same thing that was playing 30 seconds ago. And I'd do it again in 20 seconds, mm. and it was the same thing that I had heard 20 seconds ago. And gotcha. like for a minute there, I thought my phone was glitching out as I was playing it. And then just realized, no, this song literally is just <laughs> the same thing for 30 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Like it, it felt to the point where it was like, uh, what, what's that song by Suicidal Tendencies? <laughs> Institutionalized, where it's just. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Then finally, we have what I'm assuming is probably Matt's least favorite song here. Least favorite. Hate this song. Absolute garbage. I hate this song, you guys. This is called Shadowborn. It's trash. Throw it in the trash. Go away. I'm done. I hate this song, dude. Saxophones are trash. Love. To hate this song. <laughs> I was not. I was about to throw hands. I was about to throw hands, dude. Oh, my God. I saw it in your face. You were so red right now. <laughs> I thought he was going to come over this table at me. Um, yeah, no, this song straight up feels like it should have been a disappointment in the middle of the record instead of at the end of the record. <laughs> yeah, no, this this was the, the worst way to end a record. Like, I after I listen to it, is it left just such a bitter taste in my mouth? Then I'm like, I don't want to come back to this because I have to listen to this song. And as a, as a fan of rivers of Nile and their most recent record, which I've brought up a couple of times, it's uh, where owls know my name and it incorporates saxophone into a couple of the songs that was done really well. This was not, we, we saw some saxophone in poster child and it was very brief. That was done well, in my opinion. The saxophone here did not work really well. It felt like it was way too high in the mix, but it also felt like like they really didn't clean it up. It just sounded like they, it, the person was just playing the saxophone, and it was just a wall of just saxophone. I'm like, guys, clean it up. Come on. So before I make any further comments, I do want to mention um, the River, Rivers of Nile comment that you made. Um, we are going to be transitioning to allow ourselves to have a visual media on YouTube and having our, our uh, episodes posted on YouTube as well so you can see our ugly faces. Uh, <laughs> I am so sorry for all of you ahead of time. <laughs> but as a result of that, we're obviously trying to develop a, uh, an aesthetically pleasing background. And one of those things that we got was a Rivers of Nile flag. And I wanted to call out the guy who um, who got that to me. Uh, his name is Lou Reed. He uh, runs – he co-posts the Cover Fire podcast, which is kind of like a uh, an interview podcast. Um, they recently did one with the thrash metal band Lich Kings, and I definitely recommend that you guys check that out. And um, thanks, Lou, for hooking us up with that. Thank you. Now, finally, my final notes here on <laughs> Shadowmore. <laughs> now, thank you for the the break from our sponsors. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, this sponsored by Ray Chatterlet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're no, we're not. I just had to throw that out there. Just the opportunity was there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so this one felt like if Lunar Halo on Era mm-hmm. had gone horribly wrong. I could see that. And so, like, it felt like they were. Not trying to copy that, but like having that same aesthetic to it, mm-hmm. except obviously it's not changing things up in the middle of the record. It's just completely deviating from everything that they've done in the record exactly, and then throwing it on yeah. the end because they're like, hey, we want to evolve and we want to have some fun stuff. And then we're just going to do something completely wrong at the end. Yeah. This is our experimentation. Here we go. If this song weren't on the record, it would not hurt the record whatsoever. No. There, there, there was absolutely no redeeming quality to this song. 
when it applies to this particular vacuum. I think if if Shadowmorn was actually taken off the record, it would make the record better. Yeah, I, I think I gotta agree with you there. Yeah. Um, and, and with that, that concludes our track by track analysis of uh, of Born of Osiris, Angel or Alien. Uh, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, Matt, how you feeling? Three out of eight. Three out of eight. Three out of eight. So I, it it really provides minimal reason to come back. There were a couple of songs where I'm like, this song is really good. I can actually come back and enjoy it, but it just doesn't really provide me a reason to go and come back to the record in its entirety. I would have to rip a couple of songs out. And honestly, of the three singles we've got, only two of them are good enough that I would want to put into my regular playlist. Um, That's pretty much what I'm thinking. Um, Oh, uh, the the little joke I made is, uh, hey, Gabe, what are the initials for the band? B-O-O? Boo! Matt, I hate you so much. <laughs> so remember the part where I almost threw hands? I think Gabe's about to throw hands right now. <laughs> so anyway, my rating on this, uh, so I don't come over the table at Matt, um, I, I think I got to put this one out of four out of eight. Really? And okay. It, it's totally for the fact that, A, it's it didn't invoke the same emotions that again, the a day to remember did for me or that the escape, the fake record did for me or any of mm-hmm. those guys like where it just, it really didn't. Obviously I had a significant animosity towards that stuff. Mm-hmm. This one, it was just mediocrity. Yeah. Across fair. the board. So like it wasn't bad. There, there obviously there was some very standout poor songs on the record. <clears throat> Shadowmourne. Mm-hmm. Love story. Yes. Both of those. Uh, but at the same time, like every record's going to have their lower moments. Yeah. Unless it's trivium, and in that case, everything they do is gold, and I will die on this hill. Good and <laughs> and uh, it just never does anything. Yeah. It, it like you said there, like it has a couple songs that you want to return to. You'll pluck those songs out and never return to the rest of the record again. Like mm-hmm. th- this record gave me no reason to come back to it because why would I listen to this one when I can go listen to Tomorrow We Die Alive or to The Summit or literally any, yeah. exactly literally anything that they've done prior to like it just it doesn't offer me anything mm-hmm. and i just I, as i mentioned at the top of the cast here like it's basically background metalcore music this is the yeah. music that i would throw in the background if i wanted to include metalcore into like a background scene of a movie or something like that that's fair and honestly, it's it's so boring that it doesn't actually have any sort of value to it so people aren't going to bother with paying attention to it it just is setting a scene or setting a mood mm-hmm. and that's it and honestly, so, and uh, part of it's a little bit of the familiarity, but after listening through the entire discography, if I'm likely going to return to any full record by this band, is it's going to be The Discovery, which starts out with Follow the Signs. It's got Recreate, it's got Devastate, um, which are all songs I am extremely familiar with, and I would much rather listen to. I'd rather listen to that record in its entirety, and that's old, old material for these guys. Um, yeah. So it, it's an unfortunate thing, but... You know, you know, everybody can't put out great records. Yeah. But that is going to do it for Angel or Alien today. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and move into the hidden track, which is a time that Matt and I uh, discuss something else outside of uh, outside of this album. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us this week? You remember Betraying the Martyrs? I do remember Betraying the Martyrs. So Aaron Mattis is in a new band. Oh, really? It's called 1056. Um, this song actually dropped a, a while ago. Um, and it so literally, so the way that the band's name is, it's T-E-N-5-6. Um, so it, it kind of comes off like some of the new, um, kind of new alternative rappers, kind of how they're like doing their name. Mm-hmm. Um, so June 17th, 2021, they dropped the track Boy. <sighs> Oh boy, it's heavy. So the one of the comments I had seen was um, somebody on YouTube said that this is a lot like Emir and Darko, but angrier. Oh God, it's <laughs> heavy, dog. Like, and it's it's got this scratching sound to it, and I I'm not sure what it is that it's creating the scratching. I'm not sure if it's like electronics that are doing it, but it kind of provides that unease um, that you're a big fan of. And I just re- like Aaron Mattis. You hear him doing lows again, and it's just those bludgeoning, disgusting lows that we haven't really seen him do since kind of early betraying the martyrs. Um, 
the thing I will say that I'm actually kind of it's an interesting addition, but I actually kind of like is the the quote rapping part at the end that Aaron does. Um, Nick Nocturnal actually did a reaction to it, um, and that's actually how I discovered the song. And it's it's a heavy dude, it's a heavy boy, and it's the <laughs> instrumentals are disgusting too. I'm gonna have to um, check that out. Yeah, I, uh, I would definitely recommend that song. What do you got for this one? Uh, for this week, I want to talk about the new Turnstile EP that came out uh, called TLC or Turnstile Love Connection. And you said it was an EP that they released. Yeah, so it was an EP that they released. Uh, it released fairly recently here. Uh, let me pull up exactly when it was released. Uh, it released on June 27th of 2021. Oh, that's super recent. Probably a couple weeks from at the time of recording. Exactly, yeah. And so um, it was really short. It was four songs. Uh, Holiday, No Surprise, Mystery, and TLC, Turnstile Love Connection. Okay. Um, the standout ones on this one were uh, definitely Holiday and TLC. Okay. Uh, no Surprise is kind of like a weird instrumental thing, and Mystery kind of felt like it was dipping more into angel dust territory and for those who are unaware the drummer for turnstile also is in a band with uh one of the dudes from trapped under ice called uh angel dust and um they're kind of more of like a uh poppier punk kind of like in the vein of like gorilla biscuits okay uh, or a teenage bottle rocket a little bit um so it kind of felt like that was dipping into it a little bit in their song mystery but overall um holiday and tlc were both really good songs that i really enjoyed a lot um, on uh, from that record, I, I did listen to the Angel Dust one that released. Uh, I want to say earlier June as well. Okay, I wasn't a huge fan of that one personally. Uh, it just wasn't really for me. And in, in my punk experiences, I usually tend to lean a little bit more towards the heavier side of things. Um, Rotting Out being one of my favorite punk bands. Oh, that's fair. Uh, just because they are phenomenal and they put on one of the craziest live shows in the world, and I love it so much. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's what I've got for Turnstile. I, do, I did also want to mention the um, new Real Friends uh, single, I guess, it, it, to call it. They, they released two songs. So um, about a year and a half ago, Dan Lambton, their original singer, had left the band, and now they brought in this new one from Fountain Youth. Okay. And the edge that Real Friends had is gone with Dan Lambton, unfortunately. Really? It's the, it... it, it so they had two songs that came out with it. Um, one of them was Storyteller. That's like my favorite song of the two. Okay. And I, I really like the song, but it's generic pop punk anymore. Like it, it doesn't actually add anything. Okay. This is no different than what I would hear on the new Neck Deep stuff. It's no different than what I would hear from New Story so far. No different than what I would hear from New Four Years Strong. Like it just, it is the mold and doesn't differentiate at all from it. It doesn't have Dan's kind of hoarse, really rough, ragged voice mm-hmm. to go behind it to actually give it some differentiation. And it, that was really unfortunate for me because I actually I grew up re- really loving Real Friends. That makes sense. Do you know? I mean, just offhand, if Dan has gone into a new band or to my knowledge, no. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen anything from him, and I'm sure once he is, and AP will be all over it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, as far as I'm aware, I don't believe he is. Okay. And honestly, it might be worth looking into if they end up putting out material with that. New, if Dan does put out material with that new band, is something we could definitely review here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that is going to do it for us today, guys. We do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, We ask that you do please like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Amazon, Podbean, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. We are also available on a variety of social medias, including Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Not Twitter, because Twitter is icky. Big uh, Yeah, that's, uh, that's really what we got for you guys today. We will see you later. Catch you in the next one.